I played in a golf tournament with my son last weekend. And in the south, about this time of year, if you've grown up here, it can be sunny and within minutes, what I call a clapper can come in. It went from being fine to black skies really quick. You ever been on a lake in the middle of the summer and then you're scared to death instantly? Yeah, you could feel electricity in the air. It wasn't one of those things of, oh, it's no big deal, we'll just wait it out. Everybody on the golf course drove as fast as they could to get their carts up under the clubhouse. It was that kind of storm where the lightning hits, you can feel it, and the thunder shakes your house. No one had to tell us to get off the course and seek shelter. Nobody. The Lord says some interesting things. I want to do a series here at some point called Zingers. The Lord just said some zingers. He says this in John 16. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you're going to have trouble. It's funny when we act like something's wrong when we're going through trouble. Trouble has probably is and will come your way. Any message that says in Christ you're not going to have trouble, it's just silly. You actually have shalom in the middle of trouble. We were underneath the the clubhouse last week, and it sounded like Armageddon above the clubhouse. 20 minutes later, we're back to playing. If you stay out in that storm, it can end very poorly. My dad had a good friend of his when he was a teenager was struck dead by lightning on a golf course. You don't play around with lightning. You don't play around with trouble. I find it interesting over the years how I've noticed that God's kids either intentionally or unintentionally ignore his principles to protect us, stay out in storms, and wonder why things get rough. I'm going to be so simple today. You have to hire someone to help you misunderstand it. You ready? I have been asking for this. Psalm uh, what is this? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, I have sought God as hard this week for revelation on this sermon as I had in a long time. I, I thought it was me at first. It was him wooing me to go after some things. Over the next 28 minutes, I've never heard another sermon. Um, this, this is from the Father. Now, it's not original. There's no such thing as an original thought. And I guarantee you someone is has taught along these lines, but I, I, it's not like someone else led me to this. The Holy Spirit did. And it's simply this. I have to abide by his principles. And whether I like it or not, I have to give the father a target to hit that's from my own faith. Can we go to Ephesians 2, 8? If you speak of grace often, you're in good hands because grace is Jesus, but grace is not the full picture of how the kingdom operates. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Everyone say faith. There's about 500 verses in the Bible on faith, about 500 on prayer, and about 2,000 on finances. Many of God's kids do not walk by faith with finances. And you wonder, like, why do so many of God's kids not walk by faith in finances? I think because many of us have grown up with a theology of thinking more about God than actually walking with him. And see, faith faith makes my relationship with the Father really real. And there actually is a metric to faith. It's not invisible. The number one metric to faith is look at where your money goes and it'll tell you what you value. 
There's a couple of principles that the father showed me in the last 24 hours that many of his kids don't abide by. Number one, they do not find a spiritual house, a storehouse, to submit to the leadership there. And number two, what they don't do is they don't go all in with their finances on first fruits. And it may bother a lot of people, specifically if that triggers you, it's probably because there's some rebellion in you that the father wants to deal with, as he has with me in the past. But if it triggers us, there's a reason it triggers us. Because when storms come, it's natural to abide in the principle of a shelter will protect me. You see, Psalm 91, the premise is not how huge God is. It's my ability to abide in God, right? So if you look at Psalm 91, who, who, who will rest, who, who will be protected? It's those that abide. It's the whole principle of the New Testament. It's John 15, 1 through 5. Jesus abided in the Father, submitted to him. A lot of God's kids believe in God because they don't want to go to hell when they die. But when it comes to submitting to the Father with my life on everything, we tend to go into storms without his shelter and wonder why it's so rocky. I double dog dare you to go all in on two things. Find a house in this city or wherever you live, if you're listening online. Find a house to submit to and then go all in with your first fruits and watch how your life comes in order. You know what I noticed over the years in leadership? People that do not abide in those two principles, the opposite tends to happen. Disorder comes. Let's go to Romans 13, 1 through 3, and look at this. I, I have, uh, it's been interesting to me over the years, people that do not like Watchman Nee's book, Spiritual Authority. Well, there's, there's a reason you probably don't like it, and I would just encourage you to get some counseling on that and just let the Holy Spirit show you some things there. And a lot of people don't like John Bevere's book, Undercover. A lot of people just don't like having anyone in their lives guiding them or telling them what they can and can't do and coaching them up. It's, we rebel at that. Well, God is a, is a person of structure, even in the Trinity itself. It so irritates people to think that Jesus submitted to the Father. You see, when Jesus was praying in the garden, please take this cup away from me, he's not praying to himself. Yes, they're one, but they're also three. He's praying to the Father. It was the Father that put Jesus on the cross. There's an idea of structure that reads like this. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Do a couple of things. Well, therefore, whoever resists... Let's go to verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Let that speak for itself there. When you're resisting whatever authority that God has initiated in your life, then you're already not going underneath the clubhouse when the storms come there is a protection offered by god but you can choose out of that protection if you would like and so what you need to do is is say father where is it that i can submit my family to a local house to be groomed by the leadership that you have ordained you see heaven's courts there's elders in heaven trumps even the natural realm when the father anoints someone and puts a leadership team together all over the world, this applies in all seven continents. You may not like it, but it's really irrelevant what you think about it. There's principles to God that matter if I abide in them or not. Your life will come into order if you'll learn submission and giving. Do those two things. Watch what happens. I'm, I'll, I'll say this. Over the next year, if you find a house to submit to and go all in with your first fruits financially unto the Lord, as Robert Morris would say, you're not giving it because you can't give something that, that doesn't belong to you. You actually bring the first fruit because it's not ours anyway. If you'll find a house to submit to and go all in financially, if God doesn't blow your mind with provision in your life and miracles in your life, 
I'll repent, but if he does it for you, you have to tell your story on this stage in your testimony. I'm just telling you, this is just truth. I want to give truth. Father said last night, I'm putting things in your mouth that make a lot of people don't like you. I said, I know that. I did not need to hear that from you, Father. I understand that. (laughs) Joe Reynolds had a dream this week that we started getting a lot of people that didn't like coaching Joe. You want to know why? Wherever Jesus went, what he was speaking, a lot of people didn't receive it. If what you're sharing, everyone is receiving, it's not coming from the Father. Especially in the Bible Belt, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, many, many times you should have friction in your life. Because the spirits in the second realm can't stand this teaching. How dare you tell me that I have to submit my life to someone? Well, I'm not telling you that. It's in the Word of God. You can't pick and choose what you read. So Paul says the authorities are there actually to protect you. To come against that, you're actually coming against God. And then number two, I want you to watch this. Dealing with finances and first fruits. This is, I'm just so thankful, and I hope it makes sense because I know it blessed me last night. This is what the Father showed me. Let's go back to the beginning, Genesis 12. Can we put those passages up, that passage up there, April? All right. I've never in my life had a dog walk up to me and bark and me say, I cannot believe that dog barked. A dog barks. A duck does what? Animals are programmed to just do what they do. The other day we're playing golf. A geese was losing its mind making that noise. I didn't look over there and say something is wrong, that it should be hissing like a snake. No, it's a goose. That's what a goose does. When you know the nature of someone, you can almost always predict his or her behavior. The father in the core of his being is a giver. He blesses. He can't help it. It didn't start at the cross. It started when he started. And that's a long time ago because there is no beginning to it. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house, a land I will show you. This is probably my favorite passage in the Bible. This is modern-day Iran, Iraq area. Abram has no idea who Jehovah is. It's a polytheistic society, and God is always. Everybody say always. He's always the initiator. Always. If you find yourself extra hungry for God, it's not because you're getting hungry. He's wooing you harder. There's a sweet presence of Jesus in here. Don't you want truth that'll help transform your life? I don't want to come in here and just patty cake everybody. And that's like, I want to grow. You can't grow unless you hear some truth that shines some light on some dark areas in my heart. All right, so here it goes. Watch this next verse. I will make you a great nation. He wants to make you great. You say, well, it's not about me, brother. Let's just go to the word and get our opinions from the word and not from our own. He wants to make you great. He wants to make your family great. He wants to bless you. He wants to grow you in your job. He wants to bless you. I went to a Calvinistic reform seminary in Birmingham, Alabama that was so academic I could barely spell the name. I went to the the smartest professor there. He was one of the eight men that interpreted the Dead Sea Scrolls found by a little shepherd boy in 1953-ish. I always get that wrong. I can't remember when it was. 48-ish. We saw him in Israel. And I said, Dr. Matthews, why am I on this earth? Why did God make me? So I'm not at a signs and wonders convention. I didn't go to Redding, California and hunt down Papa Bill to ask him the question. This is a scholar I asked this question to. He took his glasses off. He cleaned them. He didn't answer me for about a minute. He said he created you to bless you. Barak in Hebrew. Let's go back to the beginning. Who is he? He's a blesser. Can't help it. He cannot help it. He cannot help himself. I was on this stage about eight weeks ago, the Holy Spirit said a word of knowledge on a Sunday night. He said, I want you to pray, uh, pay for two men to go on the men's retreat. 
It was like $348. Within 24 hours, I got a rebate check from a company that, that was the amount that I gave. He can't, he can't help it. It's not, because of, it, it's not because of me. He just blesses. So he knocks on Abram's door and watch this. I'll make you a great nation. Uh, I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. The father told me he would always protect me as long as I stayed clean with him. And anyone that ever came after me, he would take care of as long as I stayed clean. God is for you more than you know. But time out. There is a clause even in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Abram had to pick up and go to a land he didn't know where he was going. Go back to verse 1. He had about a two to 3,000 mile walk-ish, a, a six-month journey. He says this, God says, Abram, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you. I'm only asking you to do one simple thing. Give yourself to me. There is a celestial dance that goes on, and that dance is called faith. Let's go back to Ephesians 2.8. Grace is Jesus. Faith is my response to Jesus. By not giving my first fruits into a house I'm submitted to, I'm opposing two faith principles. By faith, I'm believing that the Father brought me to a certain house to submit to, be led by, groomed by, protected by. And number two, I'm going to give into that. You see, when it comes to money, you can talk about it all day long. It's not, me, it's not about me talking. It's about me giving the first 10% before I give money to anything else. Father told me something interesting this week. Because Wendy and I, we get the first fruits gross off of our income into this house and we do it online. I'm not saying you have to do what I'm about to say, but I'm going to tell you what he told me to do. He said, I want you to start bringing your check into this house. And I said, okay. I'm not saying you have to do that, but for me... He said, every time you put that check, I want you to see what you're doing. Because, you know, a lot of times we do stuff online and it happens without you knowing it. You know what I mean? And there's something about bringing it into a storehouse. And it's, it's tangible that I can see it. And there's actually faith on it. Let me make this so simple. You have to ask an Auburn Tiger fan to help you misunderstand it. You ready? You ready, Hunter? Every time I see you, I go after it. Ready? Ready? You have to give the father a target to hit with your finances. You can have the character, you can have impeccable character. Faith is the currency of heaven. You can be humble and have great character if you don't give them a target to hit with your finances. What if, as Robert Morris said recently at Gateway Church, what if the Malachi passage is about you robbing God with, the, with an ability to do what's deep in his own heart, and that's to bless you? Let's go to that Malachi passage. I don't know if you've ever seen it like this. What does it mean to rob God? What if... By not giving, you are holding up heaven over your life and you're not giving God an opportunity to do what's been in his heart since the beginning. You say, well, he just chose Abram. Abram also took Isaac to the top of the mountain. Isaac was a moving target for the father to hit. To hit with what? A ram in the thicket and blessing. This is good. I'm blessing myself. I don't know if I'm telling you. I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you give everyone in here revelation on this. Give the father a target to hit. Talking about it and doing it are two different things. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? What if we're robbing God's ability to bless us because we have closed hands with our lives, especially our finances? I see so much disorder in the lives of people that I have led over the years that oppose two principles. They won't submit to the house that the Father has told them to submit to. 
full of gossip and slander and come against the ordinance of God, not knowing they're doing that. And number two, won't go all in with their finances. And I have seen the opposite happen for so many people that say, Father, you led me to this house. I submit my life here. I want to serve. And also, I want to give. You see, here's what happens. When you give 10% of your finances right off the bat before money goes to anywhere, do you know that the other 90% of your money is supernaturally blessed and your 10% gives the Father a target to hit? Why would you want to rob the Father an opportunity to bless your life more than anyone else? If 10% of your finances is going to your mortgage, then you better trust your mortgage when the storm comes. That was from him. I didn't plan on saying that. That's good preaching. It's quiet in here. I feel like I'm at a library. Hey, that's better feedback than I'm getting. What's that baby's name? I love it. What if we're robbing God by not trusting him? You know, in covenant, in covenant, it's about relationship. The father's not out to get me. I'm almost, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm about to sound like one of those AM preachers. He's out to bless me. He loves to bless. He just needs a target. And you say, why does he need a target? Because by faith, we please him. Your, your deeply spiritual prayers. Listen, this is a childlike thing. You know what children do? They trust you ever seen a trust fall with a difference in a 30-year-old and a 5-year-old? That 5-year-old will jump backwards and do a two-and-a-half flip into arms. That 30-year-old will be like, give me your social security number. I need to know who's about to catch me. I need to analyze this. Maybe you just need to trust God. Maybe you need to be a kid. Maybe you just need to be a kid. My 10-year-old keeps showing up in so many of my dreams, Jack Norris. It's because he carries a childlike thing. Look at this passage. I've never thought about this passage for finances but look at this passage with Simon Peter. God showed me this. This is uh, uh, what's the one? Not the coin and the fish. But look at look at uh, Mark twelve forty one through forty four. Look at this. Think about your finances on this. I'll tell you how you know you trust God if you get out of the boat. I think I gave this one. There's a storm that comes up. Jesus sends them to the other side of the lake. There's 12 disciples on a boat. The storm comes. Only one of the disciples got out of the boat. Let me ask you a question. If I ask most Americans this question, they will say that God sovereignly chose to make Simon Peter walk on the water. No, he didn't. No, he did not. Can we go there? I, I may not have given it to you this morning, April. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I think. Let the scriptures give you your truth. No, that's another one. I messed that up. Where is the Simon Peter one? Where does he walk on water? Go to Matthew 17, 24 through 27. Matthew 17, 24 through 27. You get revelation on this, it'll change your life. Why would you not want to give God a target to hit to bless you? Um, this is another one, but I'm going to read this too, and I'll go back to the other one. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. Jesus Christ, God paid the temple tax. Is Joe Reynolds in here right now? Joe Reynolds was fishing recently out in these ponds. He went three days without catching a fish. He said, Father, why am I not catching a fish? 
The father said, because you're fishing illegally, you don't have a fishing license in the state of South Carolina. He went to Cabela's. He bought a fishing license. Do we have a picture of the fish that Joe caught after he was obedient to what God told him to do? Listen, some of you will never forget this. Many of you, this is a word of knowledge, are doing this to your finances. You're locking up heaven over your lives. I want you to look at that fish. That fish was on the other side of him going to buy a $5 fishing license. I got a word of knowledge on my taxes two years ago. No one would have ever known it. It wasn't even that big a deal. Holy Spirit said there's something wrong with your taxes. I would have never gotten caught. It wasn't that big a deal at all. It was a big deal to God. 99% obedience to God is disobedience. You say, well, that's too harsh. I'm sorry. Sometimes we need to take the pacifier out of our mouth, put it down, and grow through truth. And quit talking about who you are in Christ. Judas was a Christian and a disciple, and Satan entered his body. Knock that off. You say, well, he, was, he, he, was, he, he, he wasn't in Christ. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ, and Satan entered his body. You can be in Christ and, and be the same as Ananias and Sapphira. There are principles that God gives us. You oppose God by not giving him your first fruits and not abiding in a house that he's called you to submit to. Why would you want to, to not be blessed by God? I heard Robert Morris say recently, not doing this, your other 90% of your finances is cursed. Why would you want to choose that? I'd rather go all in with my first fruits. I double dog dare you, double dog dare you to give him the first day of the week, just consecrate it, give him the first part of your morning when you wake up, give him your finances. Watch how your life comes into order. There are so many people, even in this room, order will come into your life. You go all in with first fruits. Let's keep reading what happens with Jesus here. So Jesus says, yes. Or Peter says, yeah, he pays the tax, which I find fascinating. Um, And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? Whenever God asks us a question, it's because we don't know the answer. From whom did the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Watch this. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. Why did the Lord not make the coin appear in his hand? He could have. You know what he did? He wanted to teach Simon that you have to give grace a target to hit by your faith. He made Simon Peter. I've never heard anyone teach this to me in my life. He made Simon Peter go get that fish. When we step out of the boat, when we give our first fruits, when we move, then heaven comes. When we don't move, heaven doesn't come. There will be a storm that will come in your life. Wouldn't you want to be supernaturally protected with your finances by going first fruits first? The Father gave Jesus as a first fruit before you were even born. The payment for your redemption was made before you were even born. It's in his nature. He, won't, he gave before you get. You have a chance to give. Jesus is the Father's first fruit. You know what's amazing about this? I, I see people, I, I've lost count. They'll say, why didn't I know this about first fruits before? Because Satan, in that Mark 4 passage, Satan's not concerned about you. He's concerned about that word getting into you. He comes to keep the word from getting in you. Because when the word gets into you and it becomes a light into your path, you'll give so much you about can't stand it. There are things we do that trigger heaven. There are principles that we abide in that trigger heaven. I have never met a generous person go in need. You want to know why so many people um, have a hard time finding community? It's not all the time, but most of the time. When you are a nice, giving, empathetic, fun person to be around, community will find you. It's like an attraction. 
And when you're not, people will tend to gravitate away from you. Run towards the stage, it'll run from you. I promise. Run towards the Father and first fruits and just saying, Father, I'm not giving you first fruits. I, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing them because it's yours anyway. And anything else you want, I'll give to you. It dumps heaven on you. People say, well, favor is, is just, it's, it's a lot like luck. You never know when it's coming, how or why. That is not true. Favor is drawn to certain people. Can we go back to Ephesians 2.8? It is by grace you were saved through faith. Why is Thomas not on the water with Simon Peter in that passage? Why? Oh, brother, the Lord didn't choose him. You, that's just not true. All 12 disciples could have been on that water. Are y'all enjoying this? I like it. I just want truth. You know, the, the biggest encounters I've ever had in my life have been with the word. John 14, 12 changed my life. Any man believes in me will do the same things I have done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. What else do I not know? I had a dream a couple weeks ago. Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and Donald Miller were on a stage. And Donald Miller got a, a word of knowledge over me in my dream. He looked at me and he said, hey, Chad, you're going to take them. They're going to follow the white rabbit into Alice in Wonderland's hole. And I said, Donald, I wrote about that in my first book. And he said, I know you did. Take them deep into the hole. You see, the message of born again and the message of kingdom is it's not the same. In the kingdom, you start getting revelation, and then you end up like Neo on the other side of the Matrix story at the very end. At the beginning of Matrix, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't even know there's another world. In the kingdom, there's things you keep learning. You know what happens when you start feasting on revelation? God will give you more revelation that you don't know. And then before you know it, you're in such a place that your life becomes an oak tree and others can come find shelter under you. You know how it starts? It's revelation from this. Prophetic words are great, but many of God's kids don't act on the prophetic words that he gives. If you gave me a choice, would you want prophetic word or revelation on the written word? I would take revelation. I would. Because it gets in you, it gets in your bone marrow. Andrew Womack back in the early days said, God, I have no idea to fulfill the assignment on my life. God told Andrew, he said, get the word down into you and it'll take care of the rest. You see, Alice in Wonderland's hole is is what it is metaphorically. It's a picture of there's certain places in the Father's heart that perhaps you haven't discovered yet. He's showing me stuff like that. The Jeremiah 33, 3. Ask me and I'll show you things you've never known. Do you want to know when the prophetic changed in my life? It was two years ago. Jamie Galloway was sitting right here, prophet of God. And I was on this stage. No, I was on the front row. And I said, Father, I don't believe that he has some special gift that I can't, that I can't uh, walk in myself. I refuse to believe that, that there's certain things in you that I can't walk in. Because 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, pursue all the gifts, right? Are y'all listening? Uh, they're all available. The father said, take out the amount of money in your pocket and give it to him. Usually I don't have cash on me because we're like a cashless society now. I, want, I, I had to go back. It's been so long. I want to say it was $153, but I can't remember. Amen. It was some story like that, and that's the amount of, of fish in that net. I, I can't remember the exact details, but I do know this. From that day until right now, from that day until right now, the prophetic has exploded in my life to the point where it catches me off guard almost every week. And I walk with a community of people that it's getting higher and higher and higher and higher. You know what I did? I gave the Father a target to hit. There's a passage in the Old Testament about bringing the tithes into the priest. I sowed into Jamie Galloway money, and it, it 
pounced on me. I was at the beach uh, about a year ago. Brian Schwartz, who will be on my casket, we're that close of friends. He is a prophet of God. He's on staff at a church in Jacksonville, Florida. He floated in the prophetic so strong. I, me and two other men that saw this, it lasted about an hour. I felt a compulsion to sow into him financially. When you, when you give the Father a target to hit, heaven pounces. Why would you want to lock up heaven over your life? If you were in a house, wherever you're listening to me, you might be in Australia. We have a lot of people that listen to Bridgeway all over the place. If you are, if you are submitted to a house of God, don't be a part of gossip and slander and go all in with your finances and watch what the Father does. I dare you. I'm begging you. I'm telling you. There's revelation that takes us to the next level. The revelation can best be seen as this. Abram, I'm going to bless you. I would say that turned out to be true. You're going to meet him in heaven. You're related to him. You're in his lineage. But Abram, I'm going to need you to do something. Go to a land you don't know. Give me all your possessions. Just go. And then when your child is born that Sarah will laugh about, then I just need you to kill him. Is he a blesser? Yes, Barak. But I tell you what, it always will cost you something. Sit in that for a minute. What's that song? Here I am, Father, send him. Here I am, send him. I saw people this morning putting themselves in offering baskets. Don't you want to go all in? And then here's what happens. You know what compound interest is? Compound interest, you start going all in and you realize he doesn't just pay back. He pays back with interest. I love that kid. He's an Ewok. It's like a Star Wars movie in here. There's a sweet piece in here. Father's doing something fun at Bridgeway and I'm really excited to be here. I'm really glad to be here. And uh, I'll close with this. Mike, when you gave that word this morning, did you know that we were giving away seed for Mother's Day? I figured you didn't. I had a dream. I had a dream of, I don't know, I gave it to the elders about five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Saw a huge hand reach into a bag and scatter seed all over Bridgeway. God's going to grow this out. Go all in here to this storehouse with your first fruits. Go all in here with submitting to leadership and where leadership is is leading this place out and just decide for the first time in your life, instead of like nibbling on the message of born again, go all in with the kingdom, Romans 13, one through three, and then the idea of first fruits and watch what God does. Let's stand up. That's good preaching. That's good. This is the blessing this morning. You know the best time to sow first fruits in for some of you, if God's convicted this morning, it's not to go home and process. It's to do it before you leave this property. There's something about, can we put the Malachi passage back up? There's something about not just acting, but acting quickly. The Malachi chapter three, it's bring, uh, will a man rob God, but you have robbed me, but uh, bring all tithes into the storehouse. In the name of Jesus, I bless this storehouse, that it will be a storehouse that blesses nations in Jesus' name. Amen.